Welcome in. It is the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. I know you heard from us last night. There's a lot going on, so a little, a little surprise episode last night. But tonight is the planned episode of the BCJ podcast and very special guest to kick off the show. None other than my friend Chris Benini from The Athletic. Chris, a much more attractive version of Justin Williams. <laughs> hey, Justin is a, a a very handsome man. I will not uh, I will not take any slander toward him. He's all right. He's all right. <laughs> he just the, the problem with Justin. Do you have this problem too? Does his writing ever piss you off because he's so good at it? Of course, every time, every single time. I know. I know. It's it's, be- it's it's really tough for everybody at the athletic to have to uh, to keep up with him. I, you know, he's, he's what, like 22 and he's the sports writer of the year in Ohio. 22. <laughs> I, 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 I honestly, I have no idea how old he is. I've never asked. I think he's, he's right in that 30 range. Okay. So he's probably the same age as me. Yeah. Right about there. Uh, let's get it going, Chris. Uh, we'll start with the, uh, the, the easy question. What the hell's going on? <laughs> Everybody is running around with their hair off and uh, hair on fire and, and trying to find a seat as these musical chairs keep going and we speed on toward what is probably some kind of uh, super league, which I'm not looking forward to. Dave, I know you got lots of questions. Yeah, I mean, I would just start kind of pretty basic. Obviously, you cover the group of five, which you see is in being in the American Athletic Conference. Just over the last week, when you've called around, what is kind of the overriding theme that you've heard the most from whether it's coaches, administrators, colleagues, just just in general with what's been going on? Everybody was completely stunned by the Texas-Oklahoma news. I, I was actually at Mountain West Media Days having a conversation with Craig Thompson, the commissioner, and we were happened to be recounting uh, you know, conference realignment last time. And he told me that Kansas state and Iowa state and some big 12 schools had reached out about joining the mountain West a decade ago when they thought Texas and Oklahoma might leave. And then an hour later, this news drops. So I went back up to him and I said, Hey, you're going to call some Iowa state. And he had, he had no clue what was going on. No, nobody saw this coming. Everybody's, everybody's surprised. Everybody's frustrated. Everybody's a bit mad because now, you know, it was always, partly a business college sports but now now it feels like it's only a business and that has a lot of people pretty sad uh because because of where they think this is going to go and and it's just it's taken over everything in college sports isn't this the, the logical like path though when you allow espn to become kind of your overlord like we talked about this last night like you know, in the NFL and, and the NBA and Major League Baseball, they have players unions and and, you know, there's there's blocks kind of in place to prevent something like this from happening. But college sports has never set that up and they got so hungry for the money and it got so much bigger and bigger that ESPN has invested to a point that, of course, they're going to control everything if you allow them to. And the setup in college sports has allowed them to. Yes, that and the path of television rights in general, where TV ratings and cable subscriptions and everything is going down. At some point, the only thing that has real value is is live sports. And ESPN knows that and ESPN is trying to grab up 
absolutely everything it can. And it has been for a while now because they knew this was coming. They were launching ESPN plus and, and planning all that kind of stuff and content is King. And they, they are the only ones who are only in it for sports. You know, CBS has a lot of different things going on and they're losing some college football. Fox just got rid of half of, they got rid of their movie division. They got rid of a lot of their TV and, and, and sports separate from, from everything else. ESPN is the only one that's fully dedicated to sports and they're taking advantage of basically how the market is set up. And pretty soon, it, it, I mean, we're not far from ESPN controlling basically everything. And if it gets to that point, they set, set whatever price they want. Where, I know it's kind of silly for anyone, given what's happened in the last week, to hypothesize next steps. But what, what do you think the big, the remaining eight schools in the Big 12, what is the most logical thing to do and what is that the same thing as what you think will happen or you know where do they go from here i don't know what i think is going to happen because when you've got them launching grenades at espn that changes a lot of the dynamic but the next step and what everybody is waiting for including everybody in the american is what do the remaining eight teams do do any of them get a hand from the Big 12, from the Pac-12, from the ACC? Probably not, because none of them are going to increase the per-school value of a TV deal from another conference. If they were, they would have joined with Texas and Oklahoma. There's a reason they're being left behind, and it's because of television. And so if none of them get picked up, they're probably most valuable together. Now, we don't know how much. I mean, the, the Big 12 currently pays like $37 million to each school. The, the American was like $7 million. But if you take out the Texas and Oklahoma TV money, what is that new number? Is it 15? Is it 10? Is it 7? Is it the same as the American? We don't know. If it's more, if it's 10, if it's 15, if it's a good amount more than the American, then there's a lot of value in them staying together because if they stay together, they are still a Power 5 autonomous conference and there comes a lot of college football playoff television money that comes with that. They'll get the Texas, Oklahoma buyout money. That's 150 million plus. And, and, and they have their current deal that still goes for another four years. So there's a lot of value in staying together, but now that they're throwing grenades at ESPN, who the heck knows how that's going to work now. What we know that UC specifically is in a much better situation this time than in 2016 for several different reasons. What do you think they're kind of doing right now? Are they just letting the dust settle, so to speak? I mean, I'm not sure you'd want to rush to the big the big eight right now. That seems like it could be a sinking ship. Are they sending feelers out to the ACC trying to figure out, do you guys have any interest in us in West Virginia? Are they just kind of, you know, loading up ammo so to speak for a later date every group of five team will take a power five offer if it comes no matter who it's from and if that comes from the big 12 if that means that the big eight are staying together then you then you probably jump on that and that's what a lot of american schools are, are waiting for they're waiting to see if they stay together will they come for us and and there was an ad who who had a good line when I was talking to him, he says, it's like going to the prom and saying, man, I wish I'd come with her, like pointing to somebody else. You can't say, <laughs> you can't say that. N none of these 
none of the schools in the American are going to say, I don't want to go to the Big 12. I want to stay in the American. They're not going to say they're not going to say I want to go to the Big 12 because then that creates a whole lot of issues within your own league. They're all just waiting quietly, but they will all take a Big 12 offer if it comes. But is a Big 12 offer going to come? It's not really up to them at that point. It basically comes down to will they help the Big 12's TV deal? First, that's why I didn't expand in 2016 because ESPN said you're not going to get you're, you're going to get less money per school if you add any of these teams, and that's why they didn't expand. Now, is it different this time around? Cincinnati's in a much better position. Houston is maybe in a worse position. UCF's in a better position. But do any of them move literally move the needle for ESPN to pay more money? That's we don't know. Only ESPN knows that, and I don't know how. Again, I don't know how ESPN's going to handle that with the Big Twelve now. But they're fighting over it. Yesterday, how surprised were you that that Bob Bowsby one signs his name like he does? Uh, <laughs> absolute Dave. Dave called me. I was in my car, getting done with radio. Dave called me, and the first thing he said is, "Did you see Bowsby's signature? <laughs> he he had seven. He signed seven T's in his name. I've seen it before. That's a, that's like everybody reacted to. It. I think it's the first time a lot of people have seen it. I've seen it a number of times, and is. His son has said on Twitter that he's done that his whole life. And, and so it's just kind of how he's always done it. I, I don't know what goes behind it. One, that's pre-crime, and he probably should be arrested because you can't trust <laughs> a man that signs his name like that. Um, two, what was your reaction to him going on the aggressive like that? And do you think that, I mean, obviously it was a preemptive strike. Do you think that changes anything? Because clearly the American was trying to be aggressive, and we heard that last week when all this broke that the American would be aggressive. And then yesterday, Bob Bowsby kind of uh, confirmed it for us uh, very openly. Yeah. It, it's, it was stunning to see that, to just have a power five conference, throw a grenade at your TV partner like that. That's not really been done at this level uh, in, in major college sports since this has gone on, but he is in, it's a, it's a desperate move and they have to be desperate because if this happens if, if they fall apart they lose out on a bunch of money they lose their statuses on autonomy five the conference dissolves and so it makes sense that bowlsby would react in, in, in such a way that he did i don't blame him like a lot of people are like i don't know, like making fun of him because he sounds desperate or whatever but no he also his, would be out of the job sure. he right. is des- he is i mean he, he's like he's 69 years old he'll be fine but he cares about the conference. He, there, there's a lot of people involved and they don't want this thing to fall apart. And if, if someone you are under contract with is going behind your back to basically ruin you, yeah, I'd be pretty pissed off too. Now, it's for the, it's for the American, they haven't had any statement. They haven't had anybody confirm that they have or haven't talked to any schools. But for, from the very beginning, of course, they were going to. Like, it's the exact same situation where they need to do this to survive too. Because if they don't, and if the Big 12 takes... Cincinnati and UCF, then the American is suddenly in, in, in a really bad spot. So both of these leagues are, are, are competing against each other for, well, for the big 12, it's for survival for the American. It's, it's, it's standing. So everything that's happened has made sense. It's just really stunning when you see it put out in a letter like that, accusing ESPN of doing something. Texas and Oklahoma and the SEC and probably for legal reason, held fat, held steady with the whole July 1st, 2025. I don't think anybody believes that they're going to play this game in the Big 12 for four more years. 
uh, when, how quickly do you think they will try to get move out? And then how quickly then does that ramp up what maybe the big 12 decides to do? I mean, I'm, my, my take has always been, or has been the remaining eight are going to kind of throw feelers out and maybe unfortunately for them realize that they're not as pretty as they thought they were. And then they're going to all come back to each other with their heads down and go, okay, we're kind of stuck together. What do we do? How quickly could something like that happen? Well, they're going to try to drag it out as long as they can. And again, it's for their survival. If they let Texas and Oklahoma walk, that speeds up, you know, what, what happens to them. So they're going to try to get as much money out of them as they can because Texas and Oklahoma leave ESPN renegotiates that TV deal and they get a lot less money. So they're going to try to drag it out. Now it's probably not going to be four years. It's probably not going to be next year. It's almost certainly not going to be, I mean, it's not going to be this fall for sure. Is it going to be 2022? We don't know when Texas and M and Missouri joined, it took a year, but there's going to be a lot more lawyers involved in this one. And so most people think it'll be one year, maybe two in the big 12, but you know, again, with the ESPN fight kind of throws a wrench into everything, but the big 12 has all the incentive to keep them around as long as they can. You mentioned Cincinnati looks better this time around. How much better? I, mean, I guess that's like the main question. Like they were told in 2016, basically you don't move the needle. Um, how much have they been able to improve with the renovation of Nipper, with the renovation of uh, Fifth Third Arena, with Luke Fickle uh, having this team in the top 10, um, how much closer today are the girl that that you want to be at the prom with as opposed to the girl you're at the prom with? Yeah, I mean, football is the driver of all of this. And clearly, I don't have the numbers, but I'm sure Cincinnati's TV ratings have been a heck of a lot better over the last three years than yeah. they were when Tommy Tuberville was a coach. So, uh, you know, the, the investment in Nippert, the, the overall investments that Cincinnati's made over the last decade really um, indicate a commitment, but it really comes down to TV money. And I, again, so my, my colleague Stuart Mandel put together a good look at the numbers and the, the, the remaining big eight teams, their TV ratings on ESPN and Fox, or I guess I think just on ESPN were very similar to the, to the American on ESPN. And those American games are typically UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, and in, in, uh, in Memphis. So the ratings are pretty close, I think. I don't have all the, de- all the numbers, but you know, ESPN places a value on, on these teams, and I don't have that information. So, I, I mean, they're certainly much better positioned than they were last time, Cincinnati is. Is it enough? I don't think anybody knows yet. Let's talk some actual football. Uh AAC Media Day. How about that, Chris? You want to talk actual football? Uh, I forgot what that was like. But, yeah, I guess we can. <laughs> yes, actual football. Honestly, I've not thought about actual football in, like, two weeks. It's wild. <laughs> AAC Media Day next week. What are kind of the biggest storylines you're going to be looking for? Realignment, you know out you know, just football wise when you, when you talk to coaches and and hear everybody next week yeah realignment is going to be over everything and i don't even know if the league yet really knows how it's going to handle that um but outside of that it's is cincinnati the clear major favorite i, I did a poll a couple weeks back about a month back 
Um, got like 1,200 responses, big group of five poll, some general questions, some conference-specific questions, and Cincinnati was the overall overwhelming favorite pick to, to win the American. So are they the clear number one? You know, is UCF going to present a challenge? Is SMU going to present a challenge? What do new quarterbacks look like at SMU and in Memphis? Um, and, and that kind of deal. Gus Mel's on it at UCF is, is the other big story. Guys played for a national championship, comes from the SEC, takes over a, a program that has all the potential in the world, has added a ton of transfers. Is Dylan Gabriel going to fit in his offense? I'm actually a little bit skeptical, but we won't know that until we see him play. So it's it's really a league that, you know, has obviously established itself as the top group of five league, clearly. And the teams will put on a, a united front saying that they love the American, the conference is strong and adding teams would help. But again, I know, and they're not going to say it, but if the Big 12 came to one of them and said, hey, you want to come aboard, they would take that in a heartbeat. Is, in just in your opinion, where do, where do you have UC compared to the rest of the conference? Are they a substantial amount above the rest, or is it is it close with them and maybe UCF and another team? No, I have Cincinnati as a clear favorite because this was going to be a step back for the league anyway. Overall, SMU lost really talented quarterback in Shane Bouchel. Uh, Memphis lost uh, Brady White. Um, uh, UCF has a new coach. UCF lost a ton of skill guys. Dylan Gabriel's back, but they got to replace everybody around him. So the teams that are typically still teams that are typically at the top could all take a step back. But Cincinnati brings back nearly everything from what was a top 10 team last year. So without a doubt, I think Cincinnati has to be the clear favorite. Who, who would you say, maybe not a challenge for the league championship, but a, a team or two that maybe you think are going to be better than observers think. And then maybe a team or two that you think might struggle this year that uh, don't typically. Teams that I, teams in the league, I think could take a step up are Tulane for one, because Michael Pratt had a really good freshman year. He's had a couple of really bad games, but showed a lot of promise. And now he's back as a starter. They have to replace a number of guys there at Tulane, but I think they they have the, the guys to do it. And then East Carolina, I'm really curious about. They've obviously been at the bottom of the league, and not that they're going to challenge for the title, but this has been the season that they've been pointing to for a while. Quarterback Holton, Holton Ayers, Ayers is a senior. They've had a horrible defense, but now it's got some experience there. They could surprise some people, again, in a year when I think a lot of the top teams are going to take a step back. As for who could struggle, uh, it, it's it's hard to it's hard to really know because there's a lot of teams just kind of in that middle. I Tulsa, I don't know what to make of Tulsa. You know, they lose, they got to replace Zach Smith and Zaven Collins, but they have a lot coming, and, and they also lost two really good cornerbacks to Missouri. But fans seem very they're, they're fans talking to their fans. They seem very confident about the team this year. So I, I don't know if they're going to struggle, as in not you know, finish undefeated in the conference again, or if they're going to be better than maybe I think I, 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 I'm not sure. Uh, and then, you know, the, the bottom teams are probably going to still be the bottom teams. I don't know what to make of Navy. They've been really up and down the last few years. It's hard to evaluate a COVID season, especially for them, but those are the teams I'm thinking about. Is it as bad at temple as it seems? 
Well, if you ask Temple fans, they certainly think so. The number, the number of injuries and COVID out people out with COVID at Temple last year was insane. I want to see, okay. I, I got the note from them at one point they were down to their fifth string quarterback and they missed an average of 30 players per game, (laughs) either due to COVID protocols or injury or other factors. That's, 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 that's insane. So I don't know how much you can evaluate off of that. However, they've also lost a bunch of transfers in the offseason. Marco Russo, the quarterback, transferred to Michigan State. They, the, the, the roster situation has not been great. I didn't love the, the, the hire at the time that it happened, but it was a weird time of year, and you kind of had to do what you, what you wanted to do. Um, it's pretty bad. It, it, it's not to say Rod Carey can't surprise you because he's certainly done it before. But it's been a rough uh, couple of years, and it's not trending in the right way for for him. With young conferences, and this conference is still obviously very young, rivalries are hard to cultivate because they have to be authentic. They have to be kind of natural. You know, things like the civil conflict do not do not happen because you say that uh, you've got a rivalry there. (laughs) Um, But with Malzahn at UCF it feels like Cincinnati and central Florida are on the verge of becoming like a legit must see game every year in the American athletic conference. Am I off base on that? No, I mean, those have been the two best teams over that period. I mean, Memphis was in there for a little bit too. And Memphis certainly has an argument. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, if you, if you have two teams that are better than everybody else for a consistent period of time, that, very much adds to it. I mean, it's not I'm not saying it's Michigan, Ohio State, but Michigan, Ohio State was so such a robbery in the 70s and the 80s because they were the only two good teams in the Big Ten. Everybody else was terrible. And they, they were just at the end, end of every season. They were the two competing for the championship. And so, you know, UCF has to bounce back from last year. They've been trending in the wrong direction the last couple of years under Josh Heupel, even though they've been good. Um, if, if Gus Malzahn gets it back to to where it sounds like and Cincinnati's not going anywhere. So if these are going to be the top two teams, it's absolutely going to become a rivalry. It's, it's tough. It's kind of like a pro sports rivalry because it's not like an in-state opponent where you're nearby fellow alumni. I can't imagine Cincinnati fans and UCF fans are running into each other very much in real life on the internet. Yeah. I was going to say in real life, not on, not on, not online where it's, it's definitely uh, there, but that kind of feels like a, a pro sports rivalry. Did they get better? by Josh Heupel going to Tennessee and hiring Gus Malzahn? You can certainly make a case that UCF made out better than Tennessee did. Um, Heupel did a better job than he got credit for. He did a really good job in that first season when they went undefeated and Mackenzie Milton got hurt. Um, But it clearly was going in the wrong direction. The defense had become a major problem. And this was going to be the test year anyway, because like I said, they lost all those running backs, all those receivers. And this was going to be the test of his recruiting and, and seeing what else they had. Now, Gus Malzahn comes in. They've recruited well. They've added a lot of really good transfers. Clearly, that's going to be part of their strategy moving forward. So the talent level is going to stay high. Um, I'm, I, I'm bullish long-term on Gus Malzahn there. I'm still just kind of on the fence about how it's going to work with Dylan Gabriel and his style of play. 
Dave's a Tennessee alum, so we we had to throw that in there just for him. <laughs> he was he was not Ten- thrilled. Tennessee, with the Josh okay. Hire. Tennessee is a m- complete mess. I I feel like we do not emphasize enough how crazy that entire thing was because they essentially sabotaged their own program by self-reporting these violations, all because they couldn't pay a buyout that South Carolina paid to Will Muschamp about fifteen million dollars. They could have bought out bought out uh, Jeremy Pruitt. Didn't want to do it, so they use this investigation to fire him with cause, which is going to go to the lawyers and he'll probably get a settlement. And you count the, the buyout paid to Josh Heupel and Danny White to hire them. You may not be saving any money anyway for Tennessee. And now you're stuck with a coach who has been struggling recruiting because he has this cloud over his head of the investigation that they themselves started. I feel like the Tennessee situation is insane. And we haven't really in college sports in general talked about it enough. No. But uh, we don't, we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> I know. It's just, wanted, I just wanted it, to have Chris throw some bo- salt on it, the wound. It Dave. boggles my mind yes, every time. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, group of five as a whole, we obviously here are bullish on Cincinnati. They do have two hard, non obviously, two very difficult non conference games at Indiana, at Notre Dame. Who else is out there, probably from the Sun Belt, that if UC slips up, they need to keep an eye on to possibly steal that New Year's Six bid. This is going to be a really, really good year of Group of Five football. Like we thought last year was good. I mean, all those teams that won the conferences are back with like 20 starters. I mean, Louisiana is, is the same situation. They got almost everybody back. Ball State and the MAC has 20 starters back. San Jose State has nearly every single player back coastal Carolina has nearly every single player back Cincinnati's pretty close too so like all of those teams that were good last year they could all be better this year Louisiana goes to Texas in week one San Jose State goes to USC Ball State goes to Penn State I I mean I I give all of those teams a shot to win those games and if Cincinnati I mean if Cincinnati beats Notre Dame and Indiana presumably they win the American you lock up that group of five spot but there's an opportunity to slip up and if it happens if Louisiana beats Texas or something like that, then uh, some of these other teams could get in the mix for sure. But there, there will be a lot of competition for Cincinnati when it comes to that group of five spot. Uh, it's just going to probably come outside the American. Chris, we, we, we're going to let you go because I know you, uh, you have had a few things to work on <laughs> here over the past eight or nine days. But before we let you go, and this is not, you know, we're not going to hold you to this. This is a prediction. This is, is your feeling with still, what would you say, about 20% of the information on how this is all going to play out? Uh, where does Cincinnati land when the music stops? Where, where do you think the Bearcats end up? If, in the, I, I'm, it's, I'm not confident in this, but... None of us like, are. I feel like the most likely result could be the Big 12 stays together and they add maybe Cincinnati... UCF and maybe a Houston and somebody else if they want to get a little bit bigger. I, I, I think the combination of the money they can get by staying together with adding the top American teams could keep them, could, could help them and push the American farther back. I'm not confident it's going to happen. I think the American is certainly in good standing and could very well be the reverse where the American ads big 12 teams, but in, again, and I don't know how ESPN's the fight with ESPN throws a wrench into all this, 
but I still see for the Big 12, the biggest value for them is staying together. And if that happens, maybe they decide to add some teams this time around when they didn't last time. Dave, anything quick before we let him go? No, I think we got to everything. All right. Chris, much appreciated, man. Uh, I, I know you are very busy, and uh, and we appreciate you taking out the time to join us. Where can they find you on Twitter? Where can they find your work on The Athletic? Yep, just uh, at Chris Vanini on Twitter. Uh, my author page is on in my Twitter bio, so click on that, and you'll see all the stories I've done. Uh, my column about why this all sucks, my look at uh, the trickle down into the group of five and where this could go, and plenty of other stuff. All right, great stuff, man. You're uh, you're crushing it, and we are very privileged to have you on. Thanks, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks, yep, Chris. thanks for having me. That is – you can just hang up, by the way. That is Chris Vanini from The Athletic, and uh, good stuff. I mean – Absolutely. He is one of the guys that's kind of uh, – especially from a Cincinnati perspective – he covers things kind of from that lens. So if you are not following Chris, uh, you must do so. And I had to get a couple digs in adjust in there. Cause I know he'll listen to this. So I just wanted to say hi in my own special way. Hi, Justin. Yeah, I'm disappointed in Justin right now. So why? Well, because I, I told him that because him and I are both big top chef fans. So I told him I wanted an article compare like being like this team in conference realignment is similar to this chef on the most recent top chef portland and he got mad at me because he's like now i'm gonna think about it for two hours like who is who and i still don't have the article those things take a little time I mean, what is he doing he's not a fast typer i can tell you that i mean does he even work occasionally he's got he's got two of what you've got i mean he's the guy goes on vacation the first week he's on the job <laughs> We're, well that's like a joke that will will ne never never end no uh, no he's not here to defend himself that's he had a vacation scheduled they they promoted him to the cincinnati <laughs> beat it just so happened that the vacation he schedules was the day after the first day of higher ground so he was there for the first day of higher ground then we didn't see him for like eight days in his first year on the beat, which was still, and I more, haven't still more times there than Fletcher Page. I'm no Fletcher was there quite a bit. I Fletcher, Fletcher, I can't be mad at Fletcher because Fletcher hated the Inquirer as much as I did. Uh, yes, he just worked for him, but he still hated him. So, <laughs> uh, no, no hate for Fletcher. So, what are right. we talking about now? Um, there's not, we thought there would be a lot new to talk about today, but really like Texas and Oklahoma are, are going to tom tomorrow approve their move to the, the SEC. Yes, the board of uh, we, yeah. schools will approve the invitation acceptance. The SEC voted unanimously to add Texas and Oklahoma. No shit. Um, that, other than that, yeah, really, the oh, only thing that happened is ESPN, ESPN treating, yeah. treating Bob Bowlesby's scathing letter as a fly on a thousand-pound gorilla. They basically said, you want some, come get some. Well, they basically, yeah, they basically said, show the receipts, Bob. Yeah. Here we are. You like, know where to gonna, find us. If you're going to claim that we're doing this, then then show it. We're right here. 
Say it with your chest. I mean, How just many times do op- I say that on this podcast? Just say the, it with open your damn of, chest. the open of the letter just saying, Dear Bob. Dear Bob. It was just like, that kind of just set the tone. Like, I can't believe I even have to respond to something so <laughs> ridiculous. Dear Bob, remember four years ago when you did this? Yeah. Thanks. That's that's the part that just cracks me up is like Bob doesn't have a very long memory because 2016 wasn't that long ago for him to just drag UC and UCF and whoever else. Yeah. With with the carrot of, oh yeah, we're really thinking about expanding. Here's the other thing. And like, I, and even, I, I, and I, I haven't Chris, heard this. And I know Chris mentioned that ESPN told him that they couldn't, you know, increase their value. And that might be true, but I don't think that's the reason they didn't expand. I don't think they expanded because Texas didn't want to. And they all just did what Texas wanted to do. Yeah. I, the other thing is, like, why is anybody surprised? That the schools that Bob Bolt Bo, Bowlesby, I guess Bowlesby, Bowlesby. Bolt, the schools that he screwed over are now conspiring to kill right. what he's in charge of. Like, of course they are. When you just you just lost your moneymaker, you're you're you are in a vulnerable state. You just think that Mike Oresco and the AAC is gonna just chill out until you get all your shit figured out. No, like, like the other conference, if your if your other teams were so valuable, the other conferences wouldn't be waiting. The Pac-12, the Big Ten, the ACC, they'd be doing the same thing. But your conf- your other teams just don't have value to those leagues like they have value to the AAC. They don't. Uh, what's that phrase, Dave? Move the needle. Yes, move the needle. They don't move the needle. But that's the thing that's a little bit different this time, especially from like when Rutgers and Maryland went to the Big Ten. Back then, it was all about territory. And these leagues were either starting or building their own networks. So right, it, it was all ma- about it how many matter, cable boxes you It didn't on. matter if you actually watched them. Their dollar yeah. thirty-eight or whatever, you were paying for it if you had Spectrum or Time Warner or whatever. Now, with the reduction in cable subscribers, basically three to five percent a year, it is now more about. And I know Chris mentions like the TV numbers, but I think it's now more about brands. Like, are you recognizable? Will people outside of your fan base watch your games? Which is fair. And that that turn that obviously then correlates into numbers. But like the remaining big 12 schools outside of Texas are all in very small populated states that nobody is tuning in to watch them play each other. Like Stuart Mandel did that article. The non-Oklahoma Texas matchup. So like Texas Tech versus Kansas State, those type of games. For the 2018-2019 season, those drew an average of just under 900,000 viewers. Yeah. Which is pretty much exactly on par 
with what you what the the top teams in the AAC are are rating, and they're not on even as good of time slots as the non Oklahoma Texas teams. Right. So you're talking about a UC that's in a state with almost 12 million people. That's that's like three Big 12 states combined. Yeah. And a UC that finds itself in a in a spot they've never been in before, where Ohio State fans now, for the most part, like UC. I was going to bring that up. Is That's the other thing, is the brand, because of Coach Fickle, Ohio State fans, if it doesn't – like I have a very good friend that's a diehard Ohio State fan. If it doesn't co- if it doesn't knock heads with an Ohio State game, he's watching UC. Yeah, because they want to see Fickle do well. He's one right. of theirs. And there's a lot of like you know we talk about how Cincinnati is a you know provincial city. Ohio is very. I mean, I think a lot of states are like that, but Ohio is very like that too. Like if UC is no threat to Ohio State. The vast majority of their fans, because of Luke and the kid, a lot of the kids being from Ohio, and it being in Ohio, want to see UC do well. So they're going to watch the games. Whereas, like, who from, like, Oklahoma fans, now that they're going to the SEC, they're not going to watch Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. No. Like, Texas fans aren't going to watch Baylor, Kansas State. Just because no. they're in the same state, they're going to watch the other SEC games that now they're a part of. So I think it's it's more about and the, obviously this hits you see it on could not be a more perfect time. <laughs> so I mean I think it yes it's about TV and do you draw the eyeballs and but it, it's also just about brands like are you interesting can you get other people to watch you. Are you recognizable? Like, you know, do you have a coach or players like that are going to go high in the draft that people will tune in to see or a coach that, you know, is charismatic or has been successful or a lot of people like that that they'll tune in to see your team. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that sticks out about any of these other you know, well, I heard some people call it jokingly, they've gone from the big 12 to the little eight. Yeah, they, that's exactly what they've done. They're the little eight. And that's why I just have a hard time. I know they're, they, they feel bad. Their feelings are hurt. I just don't see how, just like six, six years ago, they said, you know, UC didn't move the needle. Well, how did these schools move the needle for these other conferences without games built in against Oklahoma and Texas? Right. So I, that's why I just feel like. Well, if they can maintain, what's the number one key to get people to watch a game that they're not overly interested in having a good team, right? There's no good teams in the big 12. If Cincinnati maintains its status as a top 15 program right now, more people will watch big 12 games that include UC because they're interested to see what UC does. Right. I just, I, I, you know, my gut and it can be totally wrong is I just think they all come back to each other in some amount of time and realize 
you know, our best option is to stick together, to suck as much money out of, because the longer it goes, like whatever they come up with the price to get out early, Oklahoma and Texas are going to pay it. Yeah. So they'll play this year. And then I bet you next summer or next spring, they'll go, okay, you want to join the SEC in 2022? Here's the number. Right. You want to join in 2023? Here's the number. We'll leave it up to you. How quick do you want out? This is what you're paying. And I'll bet, you know, gentlemen bet $1, whatever. They're playing in the SEC in 2022. I think it'll be 2023, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's 2022. I from from Texas and OU standpoint, like you've got the money. Why do yeah. you like this? Will kill your. You're gonna recruit. You cannot recruit a full class into the Big Twelve for one year. Will destroy your recruiting. Yeah. Very true. Like, how do you sell 2023 kids on? You're gonna play your first year in the Big Twelve. Well, well, all these teams hate us and the officials are going to have bad calls and dudes are going to be trying to injure you and we're going to play at terrible kickoff times and all this shit that they're going to do to us because it's our lame duck year. While you think, while you're, you know, top 10 teams, so you're recruiting against Texas A&M, Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, like you're recruiting against those teams because you're going into those leagues now. Yeah. I just don't know how you how from their standpoint you try to pull that off. Like that seems pointless to me. Like get out as quick as possible. Yeah, it's just a matter of, of how quickly you can arrange it and how long it takes lawyers to lawyer. Lawyers lawyering always worries me that things won't happen as fast as, yeah, as you think. They, but the the difference now though, these two teams have all the dollar bills. Yeah. Like They've got this is the first time where it's like, okay, we'll just you want you want this much? Okay, we just want out. Yeah. Um I don't, know, I don't have much less else on, on realignment, do you? No, not at all. <laughs> all right. Um did you didn't you probably because you had a screaming kid did not get to watch the first I did. I I watched it did at you? seven. I did, I watched it at seven. What'd you think? Our, our guy, Brady Collins, right off the bat. Getting some love, of course. Some love right off the bat. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was really good. Yeah, I th- wish they were a little bit longer, but I understand you got, you got you know, the restraints that you have. But uh, I, I would just say, one, phenomenally well done for an oh, in-house the pr- production. The production value is, was outstanding. I mean, that's... That's just like you're watching Hard Knocks. Yeah, I don't think people realize how hard that is, like how many man hours, how many people it takes to produce something like this. Or just how much film you have to shoot to get down to that 10 minutes or whatever. And how much you have to go through and watch and and produce and edit to come up with the final product of all the, the film that you shot. Like That's the hard part of all this. Um. Two, Sauce and MyJ are uh, feeling each other coming into this year, aren't they? A bit, but and I don't, uh, I don't necessarily blame them. No, I love it. 
I love it. Like we, we haven't seen as good as those two have been. We haven't really gotten to know them personally uh, all that much because they're, they're both at least both to this quiet, point. Quiet, like a little more quiet guys. Yeah. Out to, to the public, maybe not right. You know, to their teammates, but. But I, I think it's great kind of seeing some personality from those two really start to shine through. I mean, that look my Jay had for the video or for the, the, the photo shoot. My goodness. My goodness. You couldn't possibly drip more swag. And the. Uh, the chain that sauce is, is rocking right now is is absolute highest level. Oh, yeah. Highest level. No, I thought that was really good. It was a good look at Squad Fest. Hopefully, we painted a good picture for you guys leading into it, and then you got a uh, a good behind the scenes look. A, we didn't get a cameo. We didn't get a cameo. Um, we'll see. I, they might purposely be trying to uh, <laughs> make sure we don't make it onto the uh, to the video because they know how much we've talked about getting a cameo. They're going to do what they can they to keep want, us out. If they want the ratings to go up, I mean, we are pretty popular. I mean, just look at the number of people that go to La Torta Loca just because I said to go there. That's right. I mean, we are in, we are influencers. We are very much so. Very much so. Um, I'll, I'll announce this now, or, or at least let you guys know what's up now. Uh, we are we are in talks and pretty advanced talks with Mio's of Clifton for home games. We are looking to do kind of a pregame show. Uh, it would be at Mio's. It would be live. You'd have to to come by and check it out to uh, join in on the festivities. Uh, but we're we're looking to do like from two hours before kickoff to an hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes before kickoff, somewhere in that 45 minutes to an hour range to kind of preview the game, you know, maybe have some guests stop by, chat with us. Uh, so plan on making that part of your pregame routine. Stop by Mio's, grab a beer, maybe a, a Red Helms. Maybe. Maybe the, the, uh, the long-awaited, the long-anticipated debut of Red Helm's beer will be happening at these events. So uh, just something to uh, put on your radar. Not all the details are ironed out yet, so I don't want to say too much, but <clears throat> I'm pretty confident in saying that you will be able to join Bearcat Journal two hours before kickoff at Neo's for well, every home game. Part of Bearcat Journal. Yeah, you'll be at the, the Simone family tailgate. I mean, I might be able to stop by. The, you know. Yeah, but I'm not. I, I haven't asked you to like be the co-host because I know you're not gonna. You're no, just as a as not as a co-host. I don't have time for that. I mean, it probably would be free beer the whole time. It's not going to be free beer anyway for me. But I'm saying, if you're there the whole time, you would get more free beers. Well, yeah, the longer I stay, the more free beers I get. But that's yeah, that's I'm, not, my but I'm like a VIP. I show up late, leave early, you know, shake some hands, kiss some babies. Gotcha. Know, give a couple words on the opponent, and then I'm out. Well, we need to have a, a special section roped off for you to uh, avoid the Just masses. A, a nice cooler Miller Lights. And I'll, I'll come in, tell everybody how bad we're going to 
dog walk the opponent, get everybody riled up, and then I'll leave. All right. All right. Unless Mio's wants to start making me some jello shots, too. That could probably be arranged. We're, we're, we're back to the return of those babies at tailgates this year. <laughs> I, I'll be jealous, though, because you'll get to see Tobes every week, and I won't. Yeah. Just come early. Good news on that. Remember, Tobes told us he might be uh, involved in the uh, the new locker room. The new locker room. The construction. Oh, you know? yeah. I think that's a go, which nice. means we might be able to sneak in some insider access as that bad boy is being built. Yeah. Uh, you can come over to the tailgate early. You're only doing it for like an hour. <laughs> You're going to be there longer than that. I know. I'm not saying I won't stop by. I'm not saying this is the end of me hitting up the Simone family tailgate. Got to feed I'm just saying. Because we yeah. know they won't do that inside the stadium. No, I'll probably be eating Mio's before games that's now. True. Which That's true, too. Even better. Well, not yeah. even, I won't say even not, better. No, bring, there's usually... You bring some pretty good stuff. Yeah, there's usually some pretty good stuff. The, the Simone family tailgate, but uh, I'll probably be eating Mio's instead of going into the stadium and eating. So yeah. I, that's a win-win for me there. For sure. So I've kind Could of... Could be a win-win at, for you, too. Yes, I've looked a little bit ahead. There's like a two-hour special Tuesday night for Media Day. And then, like, the media day is starting Wednesday. I believe Luke, uh, Dez, and another player, I can't think of who off the top of my head, they're, sec- they're in, like, 30-minute segments. I want to say around 11, 11.30 Wednesday morning. So I'm sure the legal send out a bunch of – yeah. We'll be there. Stuff. I still I still don't get the whole, you know, virtual thing, but whatever. Works better for us because I'm not going to Texas for media. Yeah, but you you get like guys like Chris can will go and talk to a bunch of different people instead of just sitting at his computer asking specific questions. You don't get to like the behind the scenes conversations are where you get the actual info. For sure. For sure. Um, next Thursday, I guess will be the, uh, or do we want to do it Wednesday? I mean, I don't think it matters either way, but next Thursday, if we, if we stay on schedule next Thursday, will be the, uh, the camp preview because camp camp, they report on Friday. I believe the first official practice is going to be Saturday, the 7th, uh, as I understand the schedule, I, I don't have a copy of the full schedule yet, but uh, next week will be our, our camp preview for sure. And get when, you primed when, and ready. When does, uh, when do they go to higher ground? They're there. They're, they start there. I know. When do they go? The sixth is when they report. I just said that. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. The sixth is when they report. And then the first practice is on the seventh, Saturday, the seventh. Okay. So you could be at the first practice, Dave. Saturday the 7th? Yeah. No, I got something going on. I can be, though. Well, it'll probably be on Sunday. I can. We'll get into this off air, but I, I, there, there's some, 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 some stuff I might be able to, to do. 
All right. Um, basketball, uh, nothing really new that we didn't touch on in the BBP on Monday. Uh, Leon Bond committing tomorrow. My gut still says Virginia, once they got involved, I thought, I thought they were going to be tough to beat. I think that probably holds true to the finish line. Um, I think Cincinnati finished second, but what does it matter? Second, yeah. third, <laughs> who cares? Like the, the kid picked Virginia, most likely. So, you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't have like detailed, this is, this is specifically where it's going to go, but I, I just, I, I haven't had any information that changes. Right. Kind of what I've felt since since Virginia made the offer and, and started pushing. Um, got what you needed from Daniel Skillings at NBA Players Camp. He got to go, enjoy the experience. He was good, but not like holy shit. Yeah. Oh my God. And now every, see that was the that that was the concern with this event. Was that there's no other everybody events. Everybody else was gonna be there to watch. Yeah, there's no other events. So every high major coach and their staff in the country was there. If Skillings goes out and puts up, you know, 18 a game, not great. Uh, but generally, I mean, I've been to players camp multiple times. Do you think, sorry to interrupt, but do you think he is now the number one target? Uh, I mean, if they don't get Bond, yeah. I think I'm, he's I'm at ass- the top of the we're list. We're just assuming they don't get Bond. Is he, is he, yeah. is he priority number one? I would think so. Yeah. I mean, he, and honestly, I, for what they need, as I've talked about, I think I like him uh, a little bit better just in terms of they're going to need a wing scorer. And I, I think Skillings is going to be a very, very good collegiate wing scorer, um, either as a, a shooting guard or a small forward. Um, so I think that so would jump up to the one guy. No, he said, well, the plan was he was going to, narrow down his list right when he got home from uh under armor on sunday monday but then he got a last minute invitation to players camp so obviously he's gonna uh, wait a little bit to he's see gonna delay a little bit yeah so i i would guess we'll hear within the next week 10 days you know what what schools he's planning on setting up visits and i don't know that we'll necessarily hear like a specific cut down list yet but I do think that he will start entering that phase where he is uh, working towards a decision. Sensible announces his top five. Bryce Sensible announces his top five tomorrow. It doesn't look great for the Bearcats to be on that list. So that's kind of where things are at right now. Um, I still, I still don't have any hints I can give you on what I talked about at the end of the the bounce on Monday. What did you talk about at the end of the bounce? I did not just hear that. something bubbling in recruiting that would would be pretty significant if it comes to pass. What sport? Basketball. Oh, okay. Well, you can tell so, me after we stop recording. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> but other than that, I don't have a lot more on the basketball front. Here, here's a here's a, a a basketball question. It's the draft draft night. Holy sh- oh, there's your first shocker of the night. Scotty Barnes just went over Jalen Suggs. So this is gonna this was gonna be my question. Me as the Oklahoma City Thunder fan and our gajillion draft picks. 
a lot of James Book Knight rumors, and I, I'm not loving it. Should I love it? He's a really, really good player, Dave. I mean, he shot like, a, like 30% from three. But he was also injured on and off a lot last year. But So this, he never this, really found I, I wanted them to trade up for Evan Mobley because I think he's just going to be ridiculous. Uh, that's for me in this draft. That's Jalen Green. Well, he went second. I figured as much. But now, now that Barnes just went above Suggs, Suggs, big time crossing my fingers that Orlando takes somebody other than Suggs so that I can get a Shea Gilgis, Jalen Suggs backcourt. There's only one basketball, Dave. They don't have any good players. Like, that's what True. makes it so good. <laughs> True. No, I I, I, I like Jalen Suggs a lot. I just, obviously. I don't know why, but I just, like, maybe it's my UConn bias of, like, I don't, I just don't want book night. But, I mean, if he's going to go six or seven, he's obviously a pretty good player. But, yeah. But they have, like, the sixth pick, the 16th pick, another pick in the first round, like two-thirds and, like, 100 firsts and seconds over, like, the next 10 years. So they're just trying to get as many, like, young – the youngest players, most upside guys they can get. But I really like Mobley. But that's not it. Here nor there. Yeah, Mobley's Mobley, I mean, the thing about him, he doesn't have much offense. Uh, but elite defensive defensive player, shot blocker, uh, can defend the pick and roll. Yeah. Uh, a lot to like about Evan Mobley. For sure. What uh, a lot of offers, you know, football linemen going out recently it definitely seems like they've kind of moved to their next group uh any, any anything on that working on it uh other than the one from today uh, i think that one is definitely one to keep a close close eye on um kid's name's already escaping me uh, jonathan hater harder harder uh that might end up being the kind of uh, tackle that they've been looking for six, six already up in that 280 plus pound range. Um, I know he worked out for them back in June at the end of June, came back today for an unofficial visit, got to spend some more time with, uh, with coach crook and then, and got an offer. Uh, I could see that one moving fast. Um, in terms of uh, Jimmy Liston, I know they like him. Uh, he's definitely a name to watch. I don't know that this one is like quickly moving down the tracks, um, but obviously with an offer, you know, he came. They had a, a little like small workout session with a couple different offensive linemen on campus on Tuesday, and he was the the one to walk out of it with an offer. So definitely uh, – Worth putting on the list, if you will. Right. I think uh, I know there had been some chatter. Arizona State decommitment safety out of Florida, or is that just one to kind of like keep a periphery eye on until he actually comes? For yeah, if he, you know, if we hear that there's an official, he says he's coming to Cincinnati for an, for a visit. So if that happens, then we move it up the list. Yeah. 
but until it happens, we monitor. They can have visits this weekend, but we don't believe that they are, right? To my knowledge, no, but that doesn't necessarily mean... I mean, they've been having guys show up randomly all week, so... Yeah. Yeah. Not in the official capacity, but... Right. But so, who knows? These things twist and turn, and next thing you know, know, the information could be that there are no visits, and then you get a call and says two kids are coming. So... You know, it's it's something I've continually uh, kept my eye on, but we don't know for sure, you know, until we get to the weekend, a definitive answer. I, I'm not anticipating one, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I think that's about all I got. You got anything else? Uh, no, I'm good. All right. And we still, even with last night and tonight, didn't go over two hours combined. I'm nothing if not predictable. <laughs> Big, huge thanks to Chris Vanini. That was really good to get a uh, get a national perspective on things from somebody that follows Cincinnati and Cincinnati's situation very closely. And unfortunately, I couldn't get him to take a shot at Justin. <laughs> Those athletic guys stick together. I tried to get him to on the radio too, and he won't do it. So, he wins so some, he loses some. I guess nice, such nice guys. Yeah, I guess so. All right. Well, that wraps it up. We will, uh, we'll be back with the bounce on Monday and we'll get a little camp preview uh, later next week on the BCJ podcast. So stay tuned. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail on Bearcat Journal.